In this episode, I'm going to address one of the most common questions I get, and that is, how do we lead millennials, these woke, entitled, lazy, and I quote, generation in the workplace? It's so frustrating. I don't know how to connect with them and all the rest. Don't worry. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about five things we can do to lead millennials much better. And in case you haven't already realized, trigger alert, trigger alert, trigger alert. I'm Daryl Black, and I specialize in what we call VUCA environments, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And I've spent 30 plus years in those kinds of environments, both in the workplace and doing emergency management. So I know a thing or two about VUCA environments, and one could argue our workplaces and personal lives are full of those elements, that volatility, that uncertainty, the complexity and ambiguity. Now, in case you haven't already realized, this episode is going to be administering a bit of truth serum to all parties. And I don't mean to be, I'm actually really sad that we have lost the ability to enter into some sort of a respectful discourse and when there's a difference of opinions and, and we're able to to make observations about somebody else without judgment, but we've kind of lost that. And just in case you're a millennial and saying, yeah, all right, this episode is all going to be about pro-millennials and bashing the, the establishment, all the other stereotypes. Well, you're incorrect. And if you're leading the millennials, well, there's going to be an accountability check, but don't worry, I'm giving you tangible things that you can do. First and foremost, I am almost anti-label in the first place. Those of you who have been following me for a while know that I don't like labels. I don't like stereotypes. I don't like generalizations. Yes, there's a time and a place for them. They do give the generalizations and all of the things. We, we call them heuristics, like a shortcut. So yeah, they are valuable to a certain extent, but I think that we use stereotypes, generalizations, and labels like millennials really as an excuse, as a barrier, so that we don't have to do some of the hard work, so we don't have to adapt our behaviors and all sorts of things like that. So I want to preface this whole episode with saying that when we're talking about these generalities, I'm not a huge fan. We're using them as guidelines and goalposts only, and when we get into what we can do specifically to lead millennials, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So my background in terms of this particular topic, I'm a white male. I'm 50, all right? I'm white and I'm 50. I turned 50 this year. And for the most part, my professional career has been surrounded by males. Although I will say that most, if not all of my leaders in corporate and a lot of emergency management have been female. And that does lead me to the point that I'll be putting together, or am in the midst of putting together a women in leadership series to talk about gender issues and leadership. So in 2021, I joined a organization, the Canadian Red Cross, on a project that was massively, it was a massive scale. It was one of the largest operations of its kind in Canada, where I live here. It involved 450 to 500 people from coast to coast. So Prince Edward Island, way on the east, to British Columbia on the west. So for you Americans, for example, it translate that as you need. And my international audience, go ahead. That's a, it's a big distance. It's four time zones, all sorts of things. And within that 450 to 500 demographic, we had mostly new Canadians. So individuals that were from other countries. We had all sorts of genders. We had all sorts of, and I mean that respectfully, we had all sorts of generations. We had different ages. We had different backgrounds, different experiences, all the rest of it. And in fact, one of the things that really drew me to this particular operation was exactly that, the multi-generational, multidisciplinary approach 
and it's a nonprofit. So it was a world that I was very, very curious about. And I was really looking forward to helping and supporting a number of people to do some really great work. So within that four to 500 folks, again, we had a wide, wide range. And so we had to grapple with and navigate the complexity that goes along with that. And even when I respond to emergencies and disasters, we have to make a team very, very quickly. And within that, we have to take folks from all sorts of generations, all sorts of backgrounds, profiles, experiences, all those things, and really create a high-performing team. So this is an area I spend a lot of time thinking about and implementing and trial and error and all those other things. So hopefully this episode will prevent a lot of the trial and error that I've had to go through over the last 30 years or so. Now, going back to the generalizations and stereotypes, first and foremost, labels are the enemy. They allow us to take shortcuts. They allow us to be lazier in our approach, particularly as leaders. And I'm here to tell you that this whole millennial and Gen X and Gen Z and Gen Y and sometimes whatever, A, B, C, D. I'm here to tell you that I think we do ourselves a large disservice in a lot of cases when we really just lean on those labels. If I was to look at my dad, for example, he's 80. The dude cannot navigate an iPad. He can't navigate the TV remote control. He can't navigate, you name it. If it has an on off button, dude's out. He's out. Well, I came across a wonderful lady. She's 91. And guess what? She has an iPhone. And she runs that thing like nobody's business. She's texting. She's looking stuff up. So right off the bat, we see a huge disparity. So 80 to 91. By all accounts, she should be the one that's like totally fearful of technology and all the rest of it. So there's that. I have a niece. She's 20 now. She doesn't even know where her phone is a lot of the time, let alone updating Instagram and Snapchat and all the rest of it. She's not on social media. She uses the phone for communication primarily. And again, hey, where's your phone? She doesn't know. A lot of times it's at home. A lot of times she's left it at work or in the car, right? But she's 20 and the stereotype would be they're always on Instagram and so on and so forth. But I was to take my brother and I, we're three years apart, raised by the same parents. Yeah, same parents. We're different and we're only three years apart. So if you were to sweep, you know, put us under a sweeping generalization, frankly, you'd be wrong. So my brother and I are completely different. I'm, well, younger smarter, much better looking, way more charismatic, but I love him to death. And I'm so kidding on some of those. I want to really make that point strong and clear. Okay. We're talking generalizations, but really as a leader, your job is to connect with individuals. So let's start talking some truths, shall we? First and foremost, as a, I don't even know what gen I am. Am I a gen X, gen Y? I don't know. Anyways, just goes to show you how much attention I pay to these types of things, generally speaking. I know that one of the conversations that comes up when I'm doing executive leadership coaching and doing workshops is like, oh man, these, these millennials, they're lazy, they're entitled, they're woke, all those things I used at the outset. And so, yeah, you know what? You may be right, you may be right, but newsflash, newsflash, our parents were having the same conversations about us when we were the age of the millennials, which is 1981 to 2006, plus or minus, 81 to 2006. They're having the same conversation. Kids are lazy. They're entitled. They're afraid to work, whatever the case is. I would argue without knowing, if you go back a generation before that, it's the same conversation. So first, let's be truthful. Let's be honest. Let's be transparent, which is really, really important. The older I get, the better maybe I think I was when I was young. And so let's be clear. Every generation has its leap that it has to make. Another truth is our leadership environment. So as leaders, we have three really elements that make up our leadership environment. One is the leader. So that's you. 
And I talk a lot about self-regulation and leading from the inside out. In fact, that's the whole point of this podcast. So there's you, the leader. There's also the lead. So the folks that work for you or that you support. But then you also have the overarching circumstances and the world around us and the circumstances and the politics and the cultures, all those other things. So you have those three elements. And it is tremendously difficult to navigate the complexities around all three of those things. But it's important to recognize that your job as a leader is to influence those around you. So if you ignore the lead part, if you just kind of throw your hands up and say millennials are entitled and all those other things, well, one, you're doing yourself a big disservice as a leader. You're there to get outcomes, and so you really need to be adaptive, and we'll talk about that here shortly. And also, you're not giving the respect needed of those that you're leading. And as I've talked about ad nauseum, if you want respect, you have to give it first. Now, don't worry. You're not going to be bending over backwards this entire episode, folks. So just pump the brake on all the comments and all the rest of it. The reality is that environment and the lead have changed. And so have you as a leader. I know I've changed. I've evolved as a person, which has been reflective in my leadership. So it's been times they are changing. And so if you look at the situation and you look at the lead and say, you know what? I'm out. I'm out. There's nothing I do about it. Well, frankly, that's the easy way out. And we have to evolve as leaders throughout the workplace or at home or while we're coaching or any of those other things. Now, I remember literally work with me here. I remember my first job, $3.75 an hour. $3.75 $3.75 an hour. It was a produce in the produce department of a supermarket. And literally $3.75, it may have been $3.15. I don't remember. But anyways, I distinctly remember getting a cardboard punch card. And there was a, a metal box essentially on the wall. And it had a clock on it. Not a digital clock. Okay. So it had hands on it. A small hand and a big hand. All right. If you need to know what that looks like or how to read that time, Google it. You would punch like punch the card so you'd put the card in and it would punch your card and do a little time stamp on when you did that so that's what you had to do when you went into start your shift you like punch your clock and then you kind of put it on the side no big deal because it had your name on it and then at the end of your shift you'd grab it and you and you'd punch out so that's where punch in punch out you're welcome comes in so that's that's the paradigm in which i'm talking about and when i think about that that was completely normal But times have changed dramatically. So what do the millennials, as we're calling them, the 81s to 2006 plus or minus, what do they want? Like, what what does this whole audience want? Well, one, they want flexibility. They want flexibility. They want the ability to work where they want and when they want and to a certain extent how they want within the confines of procedures, policies, and technology and those sorts of things. So they want a lot of flexibility. What else do millennials want? They want a lot of autonomy. Micromanagement is the absolute enemy. It is the Darth Vader of management. And let's face it, none of us like to be micromanaged. All of us, most of us want a lot of autonomy. So they want some flexibility. They want some autonomy. They want transparency and connection as well, right? That's why, quote unquote, millennials ask a lot of questions. They ask a lot of why questions. They're seeking transparency. They're seeking to understand. Those are some general things that they want, the flexibility, the autonomy, and the transparency, and and the connection as well. So none of those things I cared about as an employer, as a worker back in the day. Zero. 
I went in, I punched my clock, I did my job the best I could. And if my boss yelled at me, well, then that was probably my fault. Something stupid I did. Or else I just ignored them or I was like, oh, great. You know, just a cranky old person. No big deal. Right? That was sorts of things. So it's important to recognize what millennials want. Now, let's put that around. As leaders, ultimately, what do we want? We want results, right? We want outcomes. We're being paid to drive results and outcomes. Now, that's not at the expense of well-being and, and those sorts of things. But ultimately, we just want things to get done. Really, we want a workforce that gets into flow, that's highly productive, that has a high output, that gets along well and doesn't need a lot of micromanagement, which is ironic because a lot of leaders end up micromanaging. But we want a hands-off team that maybe once we put it into the river, like, yeah, sure, we'll guide it a bit, but we don't need to be constantly checking in and checking up and all of those other things. So that's really what the us as leaders want. And I'll say us because non-millennial leaders. So that leads us into what can leaders of millennials do? What are those five things? Well, first and foremost, set expectations. Set expectations. This is absolutely critical because you can't allow all of those other things until you have really figured out what are the expectations on all sides. Fortunately, I have a framework for that, the DDB expectations framework, but it's really an agreement between the team member and yourself as the leader. And that includes things like, what are those outcomes? What are those deliverables? What are those timelines? All of the things. So set the expectations because that allows you to hold them accountable and also conversely being held accountable. That's a big part of leadership. It sets the tone, it sets the culture, and it really reduces a lot of stress. And a lot of times we, we avoid expectations because we think that it's gonna, going to be uncomfortable, but it's actually doing everyone a huge service and lowers the stress amongst our team. The second thing is to reward and recognize. Oh boy, trigger alert, I can already hear it now. Daryl, you have got to be effing kidding me. Everyone's already getting a participation trophy. Yeah, I get it. Daryl, they get paid to do a job and they actually get paid really well. They get paid almost as much, if not more than I do. Got it. You name it. I hear you. I hear you. I've maybe said it. I've thought it. I've heard it. Absolutely. I get it. But recognize it in yourself. Do you not like when somebody gives you recognition? When they say, good work, or they give you a raise, or they give you the respect that you deserve. Think about that. You're human, and it's okay to feel good about getting accolades. Now, that could depend on what kind of floats your boat, right? Maybe it's an out a, a boy, out a girl, you know, um, whatever that is. That's fine. Maybe it is the reward. Maybe it's an award, whatever that looks like. So reward and recognize. Don't be afraid to do that. In fact, you need to do that and overcome your own personal biases around that. The third thing is be accommodating. Be accommodating. We talked about what millennials like. And again, I'm just even uncomfortable sweeping millennials with this broad stroke. Anyways, they want flexibility. They want to have flexibility with how they work, when they work. And so give it to them. Give it to the team. You're there to support them, not to command and control them. And so that support means giving them the tools, resources, and flexibility that they need. And in a lot of cases, you'd be surprised. It's not as much flexibility as you might be aware of. So we've got set expectations. We've got reward and recognize. Be accommodating. The fourth one, be adaptive. Be adaptive. Be flexible. It's kind of being accommodating, but when I'm talking about being adaptable in this context, I'm talking about you. Talk about you, the leader. As I said, if you're watching this video and if you are the Gen X, Gen Y, whatever the hell Gen we're talking about here in the leadership position, 
you were raised in the workplace and at home differently than those that you are supporting right now. So give yourself some grace and recognize that you could probably change as well. Because one thing that millennials have done for us, and I think we owe them a huge dose of gratitude, is they've exposed everything or a lot of things that are wrong with our current workplaces. So I talked about punching the card. Doesn't mean that that was an amazing place to work by any stretch. One would define that as bullying, intimidation, not the punch card, but what occurred during those work hours. And guess what? I'm really well adjusted. I'm not traumatized or anything like that. I lived through it, but times are different. People are different. Be adaptable in your own approach. When I talked about that Red Cross project, I'm telling you, it was amazing because I would have a situation where I would be on a conference call at 6 a.m. my time. So I'd roll out a bed, grab the coffee, put a dress shirt on, and then I would be on a call maybe at 9 p.m. my time with a different location of our country. I allowed myself in between that. If I needed to be taking a break and go for a walk or, you know, go meet my dad or my brother or my friends, I allowed myself the flexibility to do that. Or I also allowed myself the flexibility to work from a coffee shop a lot. I would do some calls at a coffee shop and that worked really, really well for me. There was a, there was a bit of resistance though at first, internal resistance, not, not for my boss, Mel. She was amazing. Very, very flexible to work with. But I leveraged technologies, Zoom, all Microsoft Teams and, and the phone and texting and all the things to really stay connected with individuals. So I had to change how I connected with individuals. But I also had to give myself grace and just realize that my work hours are different as well. So be adaptable. And the last and maybe the most important kind of goes along with the be adaptable. Be the good example. Be the good example, folks. You know, it's one thing to be accommodating. It's one thing to talk about work-life balance and harmony and all those other things. It's one thing to talk about mental health and mental wellness and all of the things that we pay a lot of lip service to as leaders and those that support others. But you have to be the good example. If you're expecting others to take time off, then you sure as F should be taking time off too. If you don't expect others to be on their phones at all hours because you want to be a good leader and support them, say, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, just family time is important. Well, guess what? You better walk that freaking walk, right? Don't bullshit and say that it's important to you and, and all the rest of it. And then don't do it. Your mental health, your family, your, everybody around you will thank you for it. But be the good example. Not just be the example as leaders. We're always setting the example. It's up to us to tip the scales towards the good example. So do that. So let's summarize the five. Set expectations. Reward and recognize. Be accommodating. Be adaptable with yourself. Five, be the good example. Be the good example. Be what right looks like. Because leaders eat last, but they always go first. And so if you want respect in your workplace, if you want a workplace that communicates well and functions well and has high output, guess what? You need to lean in and you need to make the changes. It's not up to you to impose your will and your views on others. That leadership environment is always shifting. And part of the leadership journey and the challenge is shifting with it and adapting your approach to the different individuals. And last but not least, I will, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. Don't take the easy way out and paint everyone with the same brushstroke. Connect with each individual on the individual level. And one of the little kind of bonus tips, I guess, triple 10 meeting, 10, 10, and 10, first 10 minutes of a meeting, they could talk about, you're the person you bring in, they could talk about work or personal. It's up to them. 10 minutes is theirs. You're going to listen and you'll engage in that conversation. It's all theirs. You'll also be surprised. A lot of times they start talking about life stuff, which is amazing for connection. The next 10 minutes is your time. 
So you can talk about personal stuff or you can talk about boss stuff, whatever you want. And then the last 10 minutes is a summary and just make sure expectations and all those other things are, are covered off, right? So that's a triple 10. So that's a little bit of a bonus for you. Thank you for watching. And I'm actually curious, when you were going up through the workplace ranks, what do you remember about your workplace? What do you remember the punch card? What, is, what does that look like? And please, please take a deep breath, analyze your approach, stick to those five things, at least to start with one of them. Just start with one and get better at that. And you will see the connection. You'll see everything start to improve, including your own heart rate is going to come right down. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Remember to comment below.